Welcome to JRI. Quick disclaimer, as always, right? This is not financial advice. We are not financial advisors. You have to make your own decisions. Full disclaimer in the notes below. I have with me, though, Greg Beischer, President and CEO of Alaska Energy Metals. Joining me, Greg, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, Matt. Nice, uh, clear, cool fall day here in Anchorage, Alaska. Beautiful. Yeah, well, ne never a better day to be inside than I guess. Eh? So uh, you're here, though, to talk to talk about your new company or your, your, your newly uh, refocused company. So why don't we just get going here right off the bat? Um, just super simple question to start off, right? As always, you're just your classic elevator pitch. Do you want to run us through the, your elevator pitch for us? Sure thing. Well, our main focus is the Nikolai project in central Alaska, where uh, from historical drilling, it looks like there should be a very large deposit of nickel with accessory cobalt, copper, chrome, and platinum group elements. And I've known about the project a long time, and uh, I've decided that our company will focus on this project, uh, and we're drilling off. We've done the drilling this uh, summer and should be in a position to announce our first resource uh, quite soon. And uh, I think it's going to open some eyes. Uh, uh, people are going to realize this could be a really large uh, accumulation of nickel metal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that if you're listening to this, you probably understand the bull thesis for, for nickel. So we'll, we'll sidestep that conversation for now. I'll provide a link to, to some literature if people want to know more. But, I mean, nickel, I mean, I'm, I mean if, you, if you do follow me, you know I'm a big nickel bull. But, Greg, why don't we, you know, before we kind of get into, you know, the more, more nitty-gritty detailed questions, let's just kind of finish off these, this boilerplate-style content. Do you mind just bringing up your slide deck? And, and I'll, I might ask us for you to have a couple of uh, just some, some basic questions off that. Sure, yeah, perfect. We can see it now, so we're good. So why don't you, you know, as, as you navigate there, I'll, I'll ask the question, but just talk us through, so, you know, this is not a new company, it's renamed and refocused. So, but you just want to talk through, you just, re, uh, with the new branding, with the new project, you, you've done a rollback now. Do you want to talk us through the st share structure as it exists right now? Uh, sure. Uh, there's uh, only about uh, 51 million shares uh, outstanding at the moment. And uh, uh, so that gives us a market cap of uh, around 27 million. And then what about warrants, overhang, that kind of stuff? Yeah, I don't uh, view this as much of an overhang here. There's 13 million, uh, almost 14 million uh, warrants out uh, at the moment. Uh, and we did raise this uh, money, uh, nine and a half million over the course uh, of the summer. So that stock uh, actually will only become free trading uh, at the end of November. Uh, and then these warrants uh, will have, uh, you know, another uh, 18 months or 20 months uh, to run. But uh, they're at 80 cents. And so, uh, and I actually think that our share price will be over 80 cents uh, within the next 18 months, and we'll probably get those warrants uh, exercised. Hmm. And uh, what about insider ownership then? Yeah, uh, a, a good chunk is uh, owned by, by management and directors, but uh, a lot of it is owned by the folks who participated in the most recent financings 
since we refocused the company last March. And uh, it's a great capital markets uh, group. Uh, these are influential uh, investors that know what they're investing in. And uh, I think they're going to be very, very solid shareholders for our company. Many of them were the initial investors in Canada Nickel. And I think they see that uh, Alaska Energy will be able to reproduce the success that Canada Nickel has had. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're, you're following a similar vein or tenor as other projects that have found success doing very similar things, similar size, similar grade, which we'll get to, right? Uh, let's talk about burn rate quick, right? So what's your GNA, you know, non-drilling burn rate? What is that for you guys monthly? Oh, yeah, that's uh, typically in, in the order of uh, 800 to a million Canadian dollars per year. And so, you know, we run a pretty uh, tight ship when it comes to uh, the overhead. But uh, most of our money is going in the ground for exploration. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, what is? It, how much money? Why don't you talk us through very briefly just the drilling that you've accomplished so far? Not we won't. We'll talk about the future in a second. But what about this thus thus far in your story? Yeah. Well, uh, since uh, reforming in March, uh, we've raised a total of twelve and a half million Canadian dollars. Uh, you know. Uh, um, uh, Alaska is not cheap. Uh, we, we lose uh, uh, 25 or 30 percent right off the bat on the currency exchange rates. And uh, right now we're using helicopter supported drilling. So we go through that money uh, pretty quickly, typically around a, a million dollars uh, a month uh, while we're operating. We've finished drilling now, so uh, costs are, are slowing down. But uh, we've got enough cash in the Treasury to see us through until the first major milestone for the company, which will be uh, the uh, first uh, maiden resource by next so, March. Okay, yeah, thank you. So, I mean, just as a follow-up question, I mean, are, are there opportunities to to reduce, like you say, like helicopter-supported drilling, that helicopter can give awfully expensive, awfully pricey? I mean, are there opportunities for like a track vehicle or, or a camp or something? I mean, are there opportunities to, to reduce those costs? Yeah, there sure is. Um, it'll take a little while, but I can show you a picture here. So, so here's the Richardson Highway. It's a paved highway. Uh, here's the, the main claim block where we have our zone of mineralization. And there is an established uh, gravel road that comes very close to the claim block and, and could pretty readily be extended. Um, that would take some permitting work to do in advance. There's a river crossing here that right now is just a ford. Uh, it would need a, a bridge. And uh, this road would need some improvements to get big heavy equipment across it uh, with uh, uh, tractor trailers. Uh, But it's definitely something that could be done in the future. But for at least uh, next summer, we'll still continue with helicopter support. Uh, It's the best way for now. Yeah, fair. I mean, yeah, this is not, uh, it's not the Timmins nickel nickel camp, right? It's not the Timmins camp. This is yeah, Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so just last one here in these kind of the, the, the machine gun kind of questions here at the start. Outstanding debt. Do you have any outstanding debt? No, no, there's no debt. No. Excellent. Okay. So, yeah, let's, let's just transition a bit kind of from those, those fairly simple standard questions and start trying to get into the, the, the meat of it here, right? You've been CEO of what was originally Millrock uh, Resources. Millrock was, was since 2007. Recently, you've changed your tenor, changed your changed changed your, uh, your your strategy, your approach, and you've kind of rebuilt and rebranded yourself as Alaska Energy Metals. Um, 
originally my understanding is that Millrock was a project generator, right? So, I mean, I guess maybe the question I want to ask you to start out with is, I mean, what, what made you switch strategies? How did that conversation begin? Yeah, well, it's a, this is a compelling project. And uh, at first we stuck to our model, looked for joint venture partners to earn into it. We got a couple of offers that we didn't find uh, met uh, our expectations. And uh, we were realizing more and more, you know, uh, we could do this one all ourselves. It, it's that compelling a project. We think we can definitely raise the money for it. And it's sort of like, this is the one we'd been waiting 15 years for as a generator. Yeah. So then, so I guess the a natural follow-up question was, is this a matter of you, this was more so that you finally had that, that elusive, beautiful project fall into your lap that you wanted to go solo on. It wasn't necessarily that you were looking to, you know, macro thesis about, you know, green energy or about nickel or graphite or copper or something, but more so that you, you had a project come across your plate that you just thought was too good to, to, to give up like that. Yeah, it was a combination of events though. It seemed like uh, interest in the project generator approach to mineral exploration was waning uh, in a generally bad metals market. Uh, our share price had been slipping and slipping, despite the fact that we were still uh, executing our chosen business model very, very well. Uh, but the investor interest just wasn't there. And, and uh, it just uh, felt like we, we've got to change things up uh, uh, for the benefit of our shareholders. So uh, that's what we did. And uh, mm -hmm. it just was a, a, an opportune time. Part of it, it was my knowledge of, of this particular project, because uh, I've known about it for a long time, and my knowledge of nickel, and uh, the, the timing and history of our predecessor company, Millrock. Mm -hmm. Now, that was a question or a topic that I was considering having too, is that, yeah, this, the project generator model just seems to be not getting any love whatsoever right now the last few years, right? So, yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, so it's, you know, I could comment on that. I mean, it's, it's tough. I still absolutely believe in that uh, business approach uh, to mineral exploration. It, it, it uh, makes uh, for a, a sustainable or at least semi-sustainable uh, company. Uh, and therefore, you can keep uh, a geologic exploration team together over the long haul, which is exactly what it takes uh, to make uh, discoveries. In the case of Millrock, we hadn't made that that great big discovery that we, we, we could monetize and make a fully sustainable company like, for example, uh, EMX uh, or royalties or Altius uh, Minerals. I mean, those companies made discoveries, monetized it and became essentially royalty companies. But I also look uh, to uh, companies like Riverside or Eagle Plains, and, and those guys have done a fantastic job of keeping a very tight share structure uh, and essentially self-financing their exploration work. And over the long haul, if they keep doing excellent exploration work, they should make uh, big discoveries that will reward shareholders. But you know, it takes a long time, especially in the earliest grassroots phases of exploration. So I'm a big believer in the model, but uh, for us, it was time to make a change and to uh, laser focus on this project, which was a great opportunity.
Mm-hmm. And I mean, the Nikolai project, I mean, the, the, that Eureka that you have, it, it is awfully, awfully interesting. We'll get to that. And I think maybe a good segue is just to discuss, as you referenced yourself previously, you do have, uh, and I, this is always something that I like to look for and something I always enjoy as an investor, even just as someone who finds, you know, this, the, this, these, this sector interesting to research. But I mean, you have huge personal history on this land package, right? I mean, you, you know, you, you've spent the better part of your life at this point, decades, uh, you know, uh, on it learning, researching, exploring. Do you just kind of, kind of provide some color there and explain explain that? Sure. Yep. Yeah. You know, uh, this is uh, uh, the project that brought me to Alaska in 1995. My, my first career as a young geologist was with the INCO, and uh, they had moved me all around uh, North America, uh, and uh, I learned a lot, but they, they moved me here to be exploration manager and uh, to focus on this project, which... Uh, the global targeting uh, team had identified as having similar uh, geologic and geochemical characteristics to the uh, Norilsk area of Russia, which of course is probably the largest accumulation of nickel sulfide deposits on earth, uh, something that Inco would have loved to to find. And they sent me up here to, to find that. Uh, and so for five years in the late 90s, uh, uh, myself and a, a team here in Alaska and teams from Sudbury, Ontario, uh, explored this ground. And, and we didn't find massive sulfides. Uh, we did find uh, a lot of disseminated nickel, but at the time it, it, it wouldn't have cut it economically. And eventually the project uh, lapsed and or was really bought up by uh, a, another junior company that uh, became... Uh, pure nickel and uh, pure nickel uh, did uh, over a decade of work in the early 2000s in joint venture first with Anglo-American and then with Itochu. They did really good work, uh, spent a lot of money, but uh, didn't find the big massive sulfide prize either. But they did extend out this Eureka zone, this disseminated zone of sulfide mineralization. But Eventually, uh, the markets turned bad, nickel price was bad, and uh, they, they dropped the claims. And uh, uh, I saw the claims come open in around 2018, uh, didn't move immediately on it. But uh, after a while, uh, I saw that, that these lower grade disseminated sulfide deposits really might be the next generation of, of nickel deposits that our industry has to mine to meet the mm-hmm. what appears to be a surging demand. So we jumped on it, and uh, I, and so it was kind of full circle for me. Uh, the project that brought me to Alaska, uh, I'm on it again. And in intervening 25 years, I've explored all over this great state uh, as as Millrock Resources and. Uh, so I've, I'm glad to have this back, though. I love nickel geology and magmatic geology, and uh, I really uh, like the idea of finding a, a, a deposit that can make a difference, not just to Alaska, but really to the United States uh, on its uh, new change and new direction on powering vehicles. Mm-hmm. And I, that the United States uh, topic there, I mean, this is it is important to realize, I mean, I'm a Canadian, a lot of Canadian people are listening to this, obviously, and there are, I mean, you know, Canada Nickel, FPX, Giga, right, there's lots of, of Canadian large, low-grade bulk tonnage projects, uh, but like you say, the United States soil 
maybe not necessarily as, as readily available, right? And so I think that there is, even though you would, you know, Canada's tier one jurisdiction, there are still jurisdictional advantages to be on American soil versus Canadian, I think. And I think that's kind of a valid detail to, to bring up for this. Um, I wanted to talk about the, just the pure nickel now galleon gold. I'm sure some people recognize that name, right? Uh, they, yeah, they own, they own this project for a decade or more, I guess. Maybe I'm going to, I want to just explore that concept to get a bit, because I do agree with you. And again, this is a part of my own personal investment thesis that uh, nickel, I mean, these projects that, you know, like yours almost have to be mined, right? And I, and I think we're going to see just how, like I, I always say, like Copper Mountain, 0.2% copper porphyry, proving that they can make an economic, economic go of it and, and kind of proving detractors about what a low-grade porphyry system is capable of. So too, similarly here now with, with nickel, these low-grade bulk tonnage nickel projects, I think that you just have to see the sea change coming. I'll stop talking or I'll take a breath here, but just maybe let's talk about, like, what did what what kind of work did Pure Nickel do on this project, I mean, I mean, I guess an easy question to start out with, like how many meters did they drill? Um, yeah, it was uh, tens of thousands. I don't have the exact number off the top of my head. Their, their project encompassed this entire area, larger area uh, than we uh, presently have claimed, but uh, it's roughly uh, $30 million US uh, of exploration work that was carried out uh, uh, in the uh, from 2000 to 2012, and like I said, they had quite uh, uh, um, quite deep budgets because of their major company partners at the time. Yeah. So, did they ever? I mean, this is maybe my. Own, I was trying to, to do my due diligence here and, and jumping on Cedar Plus. I don't know if you, you've been on that new website yet, but it can be a. It's been a, a learning curve for me a little bit. But did did they ever publish an actual resource or publish an economic study on it? No, they didn't. You know, uh, there, the, the concentration of metal uh, when I worked on the project in the 90s, first time, and when they worked on it, uh, wasn't high enough to, to really consider uh, that uh, it, it would be could be a resource or a, a deposit. So uh, they didn't. They started. I know they started to think about it, uh, but by then the bottom had fallen out of the nickel market. I Tochu had withdrawn as a joint venture partner, and and then uh, Pure Nickel sort of just uh, faded away uh, before they actually uh, could calculate a resource. But I know they were thinking about doing that just as uh, just as things were we're closing in on them um uh but it, it never happened and i guess i mean their losses your gain here you did reference i mean 30 million dollars with the data you and i chatted prior to this and you referenced that this is something you purchased for awfully cheap right i mean do you want to ex explain maybe just like the terms of that purchase and then also just you know what what sort of above and below ground data did that include for you Sure. So, as I mentioned, uh, the, the, the project at the time uh, encompassed all this area. And uh, so there's uh, airborne geophysical surveys, uh, multiple different types, ground geophysics, uh, geologic mapping, uh, five or 6,000 soil samples, uh, uh, just a treasure trove of information and uh, even, you know, uh, environmental studies and compilations, some economic studies, and uh, tens of thousands of, of meters uh, of drilling. Uh, 
uh, and specific to what we now own, there's uh, at, at least uh, eight or 10,000 meters of drilling right on our property that was historically done, which we can now use to great advantage. We've got all the logs, the assays and, uh, and photos of the core and the drill core itself. So yeah, it was a great buy and it's gonna accelerate our, our work uh, tremendously. Mm -hmm. And it was it was relatively cheap too. It was like a million bucks and some shares. Is that what it was? Yeah, pennies on the dollar of uh, uh, the cost to create it at the time. Never mind the cost to create it today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I, I mean, I want to get into the resource size here, but I, you know, I think that especially it's just I, I like to know where we are above ground. And so data acquisition, data layering, right? All you know, B BHEM or, or VTEM, all the rest. Um, do you have enough of that? I mean, because this is it's, this is not like you're going through historical data from the '70s or something. This is you know modern exploration being done on it. I mean, do you have the above ground data you need right now, or is there always more to happen? Uh, we did. We had a pretty strong uh, geophysical component to our exploration work this past summer using uh, a, a survey type called CSAMT, which we've uh, liked a lot and used to uh, excellent effect on other exploration projects. So, so we did do that this year. We might do more of it next year, but at this point, it's really a drilling project. Mm -hmm. Well, then, like, let's get to that, right? I mean, you you are. Like you say, you're already midway through some very aggressive drilling. Um, maybe I'll, I'll just have you talk about that. I do want to talk about the resource size, the size of the prize here. But I mean, do you just want to talk through what you what you've done? Like you say, you you've already have one phase of your drilling complete. But I also know that within a few months you're going to be going again on a very aggressive plan here for drilling. Do you just kind of want to talk us through your drill program once more? Sure thing. So you can see my slide now with this yes, yellow yep. band of uh, mineralized zone. And so uh, you can see the scale of kilometers. So I'm showing about seven kilometers of trend uh, identified by historical holes shown as the black dots, which, as I mentioned, we've just purchased this data. We have the assays and logs now and can use these. Uh, and so uh, I'm showing seven kilometers, but really the zone of mineralization seems to uh, persist for close to 12 kilometers. Uh, this is sparse drilling. I mean, there's a kilometer between those holes, yet every hole, every historical drill hole got very close uh, to this average grade of 0.35% nickel equivalent. It's about a, a quarter of a percent nickel plus the value of copper, cobalt, platinum, and palladium, and even a bit of gold. Uh, there's no misses. Any historical drill hole that went through this zone got about the same mineralization. And now, uh, this past summer, we've drilled uh, the holes shown in blue, and that's going to allow us to calculate a tonnage of rock uh, shaded in red there uh, with a specific uh, amount of contained metal and uh, an inferred level uh, resource as a result of, of this drilling. Um, let me show you this slide. Yeah. Uh, and so here's uh, two of the historical drill holes, uh, actually, that my crews drilled back in, in 1997. And what we discovered at the time was that there was a, a high-grade core uh, shown in the pink color uh, with an envelope on both sides uh, that was around 0.32 or 0 0.35, 0 0.42 to 0 0.47 in the core. 
uh, uh, and then it comes right up to surface. This is the Earth's surface here, and um, uh, dipping nicely at uh, 45 degrees to the south, so a good configuration. So, uh, but you can see it's thick on this section. It's uh, in excess of uh, two, well, around 275 meters thick. Uh, recent drilling uh, that we did uh, indicates uh, in our holes that it's even thicker than that. Uh, and uh, consistent homogeneous uh, mineralization over this entire strike length. Yeah, and I want to talk more about drilling because, yeah, I mean, you've got more coming in 2024, right? And I do want, maybe this is a time for us to sidestep and just discuss uh, you know, the size of the prize, I mean, there's some there's some information on the screen there, but I mean, maybe I'll ask, I'll use some oil terminology here for you, but, uh, you know, P10, P50, P90 style confidence intervals. I mean, what's, what is your expected range of outcomes? I mean, it, it, when we talk, I mean, the numbers get large very quickly here. Do you just want to kind of discuss uh, the, the, the outer bounds of prob probabilities or maybe kind of what you're calling your shot at? Sure. I mean, it's uh, like I say, this is an amazingly homogeneous body of, of mineralization. Uh, very unusual for geology. Usually geology is anything but homogeneous. Uh, it changes rapidly from place to place, but uh, not in this case, it, it seems. And and so I think uh, there's a strong likelihood that uh, our, our new drilling will confirm this historical average grade of 0.35% nickel. And if it does, uh, we've roughly calculated that there would be between 1.3 and 1.7 billion pounds of, of nickel uh, contained within this red shaded areas with the other metals to go along with it, uh, having uh, you know a, a notional value of about uh, $25 billion worth of metal in situ mm -hmm. in, in the ground. I, I can't say that this is a deposit yet. I'm not uh, saying that it is, but what I am saying that is if that historical grade holds up, uh, then we should have somewhere in that range of an inferred resource. And that's just within that red circle, uh, that red grouping? That's correct. Yeah, and so I mean, you, people can start to maybe put the pieces together here that it could be a, a heck of a lot larger than that too, right? I mean, I think I wanted to return to that that uniformity or conformity of or, or, of of your of your geology. And again, this is maybe getting a little ahead of ourselves, but when you look down the road to things like a processing flow sheet, that that's going to help the economics presumably because it's going to be remain fairly simple and then uniform across the 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 this potential deposit. Yeah, is that a fair statement? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, uh, th that's what uh, big mining companies love is uh, a multi-decade mine life projected uh, with a consistent uh, concentration of metal in the ground that they can rely on. Uh, multi-decade mines uh, typically result in, in two or three metal price spikes, which of course is where a mining company will make most of its money. Uh, things can plug along for years and years uh, break even, make a little bit, lose a little bit, but those price spikes are, mm -hmm. are what uh, a mining company lives for. And uh, uh, great big deposits like copper porphyries are, are very attractive to uh, large mining companies. And uh, to me, so should uh, a large bulk tonnage nickel deposit. Mm -hmm. Man, I, just one more question. You're kind of almost returning to, to the historical data. Is there met work that kind of gives you a, a sort of ballpark sense of recovery rate on this? 
there is. Uh, it's early days, and uh, we're going to have a lot of work to do in the coming couple of years. Uh, that work is going to start right now. But uh, we do know from the testing that we've done and that Pure Nickel has done on uh, composite samples from historical drill hole, you can see on this chart here that um, the red bar indicates that 92% of the nickel was in the form of the nickel sulfide mat mm -hmm. uh, mineral pentlandite, which is common uh, nickel sulfide and readily recoverable by, by standard methods. So we know we've got a lot of the nickel in a form that's that's recoverable, potentially recoverable, but now we've got to do the testing to see uh, what we'd actually get in a processing plant. Yeah, and I mean, even that's huge, right? These details, I mean, you know, there's nothing trapped in silicates, you're not gonna be able to get out. I mean, yeah, just a very, very simple pentlandite. I mean, that is just very standard standard processing. So nothing nothing too uh, boutique or nothing too, uh, you know, fancy, I guess, to, to, to try to get out of the ground and get it into a, into into ore or into, into concentrate, right? That's um, right. Why don't you, how does the size then compare? And I think you've got a slide in here in your slide deck on this. I mean, you know, there are lots of companies out there now already that, that have this approach, right? This large bulk tonnage. Do you want to just give us a quick comparison to, to what you would consider your peer group? Sure. Maybe I'll just pause here though, Matt, and just show you this. So, uh, cause you'd queried about the historical data and you mm. um, uh, also, uh, we're asking about the hole spacing that um, mm -hmm. we're using to establish the initial resource. And uh, we were actually surprised pleasantly. Um, we hired uh, Stantec, uh, 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 you know, large uh, independent third party uh, mining firm consultancy to uh, calculate the resource for us once we provided the drill information and uh, they, they studied and said uh, that we could drill it at 300 meter centers uh, a 300 meter grid pattern for the drill holes to establish an inferred hmm. resource we, we didn't think it would be that we could space the holes that far apart so it was a good surprise um, and uh, that's what we've done, uh, drilled our holes 300 meters apart. But if uh, one looks at these two circles, there's a couple of clusters of historical drill holes that fall within 300 meters of each other. And so uh, we're looking at that data right now as we speak to see if we wouldn't be able to calculate uh, an inferred resource here and another one mm. here. Uh, sooner than next March, and uh, and that's a possibility. I'm, I can't say for sure that's going to happen, but we're uh, uh, looking at those numbers uh, right now. If true, I mean, uh, those two resources are about three kilometers apart, and there's enough historical holes to that we know consistently hit the same uh, mineralization over substantial thicknesses. And uh, it, it should become pretty clear that, that these will join up. And uh, where we have overlap with our recent drilling, we'd probably upgrade to a higher uh, confidence level of a, uh, an indicated resource in, in that particular overlap area. Good. I mean, well, let's yeah, let's chase this rabbit instead. I, I I like this 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 vein of conversation here. I mean, the the whole spacing. I mean, three hundred meters from a third party 
obviously that's it's quite a substantial gap. So I mean, again, but with Santec saying that, I think that you know it does. It speaks to the consistency and predictability of, of the geolo- of the geological model and what we know about it, right? But I guess maybe the question I have about inferred. I mean, yeah, you you mentioned that you are almost like you say in in your red patch there where you've actually drilled out closer, maybe perhaps to M and I. Uh, I guess this is a question maybe you know, around macro market conditions right now, but I mean, it just seems to me that sometimes inferred resources don't get a lot of love, right? That, that people, that, that people are looking to get more, you know, economic study quality ounces to, before we start to see, you know, the respect that maybe we feel like projects are due, right? I mean, do you just want to speak about that? I mean, like, where, you know, are you hanging your hat that you think that you can get a re-rating based on inferred ounces alone? Do you, or is this more that, you know, inferred is just to get your name on the map and, and, and hopefully start to see value creation as we get to M&I? Or just kind of, do you just want to just touch on that topic in general? Yeah, sure. Well, you have to work your way up. And so the first uh, step is to get an inferred uh, resource. And no, you can't... Uh, realistically attach a dollar value to those pounds of nickel in the ground. But uh, you can start to. And then uh, as uh, you drill at closer spacings, there's greater confidence. And uh, and then you can actually start to, to put a dollar value on it. But uh, like I say, this is the first drill program. Uh, uh, we're going to uh, produce a resource that is likely to capture attention. And uh, I think it will uh, result in a re-rating of our share price. Do you, did you get a sense of from Stantec about uh, spacing to get to indicated? Uh, I don't have uh, the answer to that question at my fingertips, um, but uh, I would assume it's somewhere around half of uh, 300 meters, mm-hmm. maybe in the 150 meter area. Which is still, yeah, I mean, knowing, yeah, it's just your educated guess, but that's still uh, fairly generous in terms of spacing, right? So, I mean, you're not, not far off. This is not something where you have to be doing 25 meter grid to get there. You know, you're, no. you're, you're not, you're not far off from that. So that's, I mean, no, people no. look at people. The consistency yeah. and the homogeneity of the mineralization makes that possible. You, you know, a lot about gold as well. I mean, sometimes you are drilling in these things off at 10 or 12 meter intervals, but no, we'll never have to do anything like that. Yeah, perfect. And so do you want to, I think you also have, because, you know, the 2023, I mean, when you talk about, you know, your, your one, one and a half billion pounds of, of nickel already, that's just from, from this. Do you want to, I think you have a, a slide deck or one in your slide deck pointing forward to 2024. Yeah. So do you just want to talk us through this as well? I mean, what's, you know, this is, like you say, 18 months, this is a, a very action-filled 18 months for Alaska Energy coming up. Do you just want to talk us through kind of the next stage of your plan? Right. And so uh, this plan is changing, actually. We, we drilled the holes shown in blue this summer. We were planning to drill the holes in, in gold or yellow next year to more or less double uh, the uh, amount of uh, nickel in the ground, probably. Uh, but now uh, we're getting good traction and interest in this project. Uh, we see the potential to uh, raise uh, substantially more capital. And so now we're thinking that we'd be more aggressive with three or a four drill program and and uh, extend the zone at a 300 meter grid drill pattern all the way up here so that we have this much uh, uh, material blocked out at that point. Uh, uh, what we guesstimate right now if we were to drill the all the blue and the yellow holes is that we'd have somewhere in the the two to three billion pound range again assuming that this uh, historical grade uh, holds up I, I think it will because 
every single historical hole got a very similar grade. I can't say that uh, that it's a deposit even yet, but uh, it could be a really big deposit. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and what I like, you know, about your story is that this is an aggressive project, right? I mean, you were batting for batting for singles to get on base. I mean, you're at 25. I just I was just making sure I'm looking it up today. You're 25, 26 million Canadian market cap. And yeah, you're talking about like 10, 20,000 meter programs over the next 12, 18 months. You're talking about multiple drill rigs. And so this is not something where people are going to have to wait five years to see this story right. evolve that, I mean, you are hitting the ground, you know, sprinting to, to, butcher, to, to butcher a phrase. Yeah. And the project deserves that kind of approach. Um, it's not a go slow thing. Uh, America needs nickel. That much is very clear. And, um, you know, we've got it, but we've got to prove it too. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you don't have a quite high confidence level that is there based on this historic drilling, but we've got to drill it off at 300 meters to be able to say that uh, with geologic confidence and and uh, in keeping with uh, the 43-101 regulations. Mm-hmm. Matt, yeah, you, no, uh, I'm sorry, you asked uh, mm-hmm. about comparisons to other companies. I'll jump there now if you want. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so there are other companies uh, working on similar, I would call them bulk tonnage, uh, disseminated sulfide nickel deposits. And um, uh, I uh, counted the nickels one in particular that uh, I like and that we're following closely. So there's a lot on this slide. The black dot is the concentration of metal uh, in each deposit. Uh, And even though I think of uh, our uh, prospect as relatively low grade, it it actually compared to the peers is is, uh, not bad at all. Uh, The the green bar indicates uh, total contained metal, uh, and blue indicates contained nickel metal. Uh, Again, this is a projection in the future. We don't have this yet. we're going to have, uh, uh, this is what I suspect that we're going to have in terms of tonnage or pounds of nickel in the ground uh, 18 months from now with the potential to be much larger. Uh, but but even 18 months of work gets us in the same ballpark as our peers, which are probably three, year, three years ahead of us. And, uh, you know, Canada Nickel measures their market cap uh, uh, well over $100 million, as does, does FPX. And uh, we're, we're sitting at 27, uh, ready to get our first uh, mark on the graph with a, what we hope is a deposit in, around this size. So um, I think there is potential for stock re-rating on that basis. Uh, for me, um, it's been great to see Anglo-American invest in Canada Nickel, uh, a, a great endorsement of the company and the team there and the deposit. But but more so for me, it was an endorsement of the overall notion that our industry, mining industry, will be mining uh, deposits that are around 0.25% nickel. Uh, these companies, Anglo, Glencore, uh, Jogmec, uh, they, they, they've seen the future and know that uh, to meet the coming demand, the only way the industry will be able to step up and uh, mine enough nickel, uh, discover enough nickel, is to pursue these uh, disseminated sulfide nickel deposits. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, I mean, you can't, the, the macro thesis is an inescapable part of this, this discussion, right? And I, I absolutely agree. And, and like you say, having, having majors starting to buy in, I mean, you, you look at, you can look at car manufacturers, you can look at OEMs, you can look at mining majors that are, they, they think in terms of like decades and generations, right? And, and, and so they're obviously where they see the world is pointing includes that reality includes projects like AMC, like the Nikolai project being economic, right? It has to, to, for us to meet our goals. Right. Um, so, I mean, maybe that's actually a good transition here too, because like kind of the one fly in the soup with these large low grade projects is that, yeah, they are sensitive to price of nickel. And sometimes, you know, like the, the, the boilerplate headline economic numbers, you know, NPV and stuff. And I mean, NPV, you know, obviously always gets under undercounted or undervalued on these large projects, but uh, that is sometimes what you can see is the weakness is that your headline economics sometimes are a little, you know, not as good as you would expect from other projects. Uh, obviously the size of it makes it that way, but what I kind of like, and my point is where I'm going with this is that you are trying to find a solution to that, right? I mean, you've got the Canwell project that's just kind of down the proverbial road or a few kilometers away uh, where you are hoping to kind of, you know, to, to fix that or to, to, to fix that issue as it is. Do you want to just want to discuss Canwell briefly with us? Sure, sure would. You know, I mean, uh, I know that uh, this company can build out uh, and create value with a very large bulk tonnage disseminated deposit. But uh, in the end, uh, grade really is king. The higher the the concentration of metal, the better. And uh, certainly uh, we haven't... uh, uh, discovered all that's being meant to be discovered uh, at the Nikolai project. I mean, I uh, initially targeted the area because there was potential for another uh, deposit or series of deposits uh, like Norilsk, uh, massive sulfide, uh, not disseminated sulfide, rich, rich deposits uh, that uh, have very high concentration of metals. And uh, at surface at the Canwell Prospect, we, in fact, uh, we, we do see exceptional grades of these metals uh, enriched also in the platinum group elements and, and even the more rare platinum group elements like osmium, iridium, ruthenium, and rhodium, which are very, very valuable. So uh, we'll be definitely uh, trying to discover standalone massive sulfide deposits while we're building value with the disseminated uh, zone. But uh, uh, even if we find uh, modest pods of a million or two million tons of material Mm -hmm. like this, it's going to drastically Mm -hmm. uh, affect in a positive way, the economics uh, of the project. So uh, grade is always helpful and uh, we'll, we'll be on the hunt for it. Uh, we did a lot of uh, great work on Canwell uh, this summer. So we'll be in a position to drill here uh, next summer as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you, you explained it, right? I mean, my point was, is that if you're able to find, like you say, a few million tons of, you know, 1.5 or two more NIEQ, that, that, and you can staple that to the front of your mine plan, that gets payback, that, you know, approves payback, improves IRR. And, um, I mean, we're kind of nearing the end of it here. I, I thought maybe I just, uh, one thing I was, I mean, I, you know, during my due diligence process, I look, you know, M&A, you know, interim M&A, annual M&A and information circulars, et cetera, et cetera. And there's this one thing that, that, that I wanted to talk to you about that you and I chatted with beforehand. And, you know, I think it's important because people could read it and maybe rise and raise an eyebrow and it could be of concern. But in the end, you know, it sounds like it's maybe a, 
much to do about nothing or not a not a critical issue. But there is a lawsuit currently uh, that my understanding is that you're you're in, in, in involved in in some degree. Can you just pr- provide a little bit of discussion around what that is and I mean the, the potential impact for you? Uh, no, not really, Matt. I'm not going <laughs> to comment on on uh, ongoing uh, litigation, but I confirm that there is a lawsuit. Uh, we're a, actually a minor uh, secondary player in it, and uh, we really have very very little. Uh, financial uh, risk. Uh, it's a really uh, an inconsequential item as far as uh, Alaska energy metals goes. Yeah. And I think that this, that, that lack of financial risk, if that's, if you, if you're comfortable with that, right, then that's, that's the yeah. part that is, is the critical aspect. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, it's a leg- concerning a legacy project, uh, nothing to do with uh, Nikolai at all. Nope. Perfect. Thank you. I just, I think people would be reading that would be asking similar questions, right? So um, why don't we just, you know, I mean, last five minutes here, you know, obviously this is going to be a very busy time for you. We already, it already has been a very busy time for you. Can you just maybe do, do a run through catalysts that we, you know, potential investors can look forward to over the next zero, six, 12, 18 months? Yeah, sure. Good. Um, you know, uh, we've announced uh, the results from two of the eight uh, drill holes. Uh, you saw that uh, at the beginning of last week, the uh, uh, concentration of metals uh, uh, was exactly what we uh, had anticipated it would be, 0.34% nickel uh, and uh, nickel equivalent. Uh, but it was over uh, a wider width than we had uh, modeled from historical. It was a uh, 315 meters true width. I mean, it's a truly hmm. thick uh, uh, zone of mineralization, at least on the two sections that we drilled. So um, we'll uh, announce uh, probably two holes uh, at a time as the assay results uh, come out. Uh, uh, and the, so maybe over the next six weeks, uh, we will be announcing those results. And then uh, we'll, uh, once we have them all in hand, we'll be uh, calculating the, the resource. And uh, that work will take us until about next uh, March to complete. It's possible we'll announce a resource ahead of that based on the historical drilling uh, that we now have in hand. So um, lots to look forward to. We have uh, acquired uh, a, a company in, in Quebec that has a nickel project and, and cash uh, that's uh, being reviewed presently by uh, the TSX Venture Exchange. And if accepted, will be a, a great uh, complement to Nikolai project. And uh, I'd be glad to be exploring in Quebec again too, because I've spent uh, several years of my career there and in uh, exploring in that particular area too. So um, lots of announcements, lots of news flow uh, in the coming six months. Yeah, and it is exciting times. I mean, for me, it's a high degree of confidence play, very aggressive path forward, lots of positive catalysts. I mean, to me, it seems like a very, very strong kind of investment opportunity for people, people looking for nickel exposure. Final thoughts to you, Greg? Um, well, uh, I would just say uh, we're going to try and do this right, too, when it comes to marketing the project. Uh, we've got a strong team and a 
a healthy budget for that purpose. And we're going to try and make sure that, that every brokerage and uh, fund manager knows about this American project uh, that could supply the nickel that the country needs. Uh, you know, I, I know you clearly uh, understand the, the, uh, the broader uh, uh, macro picture, but uh, you know, the, the demand for nickel is still there, stainless steel, but uh, now there's a brand new use. There, there's 64 pounds or 29 kilos on average in every uh, new electric passenger vehicle. So the, the demand for nickel is really going to be there, but uh, the United States doesn't produce uh, hardly any nickel. Mm -hmm. there, there's one uh, modest mine that's uh, 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 that exports its product. So uh, the uh, the United States imports every uh, pound of nickel that it uses for stainless steel, other nickel uses, and, and now for batteries. And I'm, uh, you know, there, there's just so much risk for the country and risk to a smooth transition to to uh, electric vehicles. Uh, it, the country has to have its own supply of these metals, nickel in particular. Nickel in particular because it's so hard to find uh, in rich concentrations. And, and there's very few places in the United States geologically where it's even possible to find nickel. Uh, and so I think we'll be in a very good position here. We, we it, it seems clear that this is a prospect that, that might end up being a very large deposit uh, that could for decades uh, meet a good portion of America's needs. Yeah, well said, uh, and I think you, you captured it all right, Tim. And if so, if you want to, if you're listening and you want to be on the in the ground floor of a new large project that's looking to capture the momentum of, of current geopolitical trends, and I think yeah, Alaska Energy Metal Corp. AEMC. V uh, would, would would suit your needs well. So yeah, Greg Greg Beister, CEO and President, thank you for your time. Thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. Good talking to you, Matt. Have a yeah, great have day. Have a good day.